Look beyond the problem. How many has ever faced a problem? May I see your hand? How many of you are a problem? May I see your hand? That's right. I want you to know you always remember. <laughs> you're always somebody's liability. And if you remember that and you don't let it bother you, get down to business. I want to live my life, though, even if you don't like it. There have been times that our back has been against the wall. And we thought, Lordy, Lordy, what are we going to do? How are we going to manage this? A lot of times it has to do with finance. Sometimes it has to do with a not so good uh, medical report. Oh, you have, you have cancer. Uh, or it has to do with some relationship that, that turned out sour or bad. And you think, wow, things were so good. And now all of a sudden it's, life is broken. I can't tell you how many people here in the church over these 32 years would come in to see me or call and they're weeping and say, my spouse just told me that they don't love me anymore. They want a divorce, pastor. What am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do? And so we talk about that. And in many cases, that was the case. They did not get to the place of reconciliation. But I can tell you many of those people after all these years, God has blessed them and they've moved beyond the hurt and the pain and the grief. And today they've been married to someone else that, that they're happier than they've ever been. So you just never, never know. But difficult places. It was difficult when I, as a five-year-old, in our house burned to the ground. I remember it as good as today. And how we had a couple thousand chickens or so, and they were laying hens and chickens, and we lost all that. I watched our house burn. No chance to get anything. I remember my mother laying across the bed after the fire trucks were gone and nothing but just smoldering uh, ashes just weeping and weeping and weeping. You could hardly catch your breath. I remember as good as now seeing her. I, I decided, well, we're going to need clothes, and people would bring clothes by where we were. And I loaded them up across the street and the neighbor's house and loaded them up on my wagon, radio flyer. Took it down the road to where we once lived. Those kind of things, uh, I, didn't rem I wasn't old enough to know the hurt and the pain. But I remember the pain that I saw and experienced by my mom and my family and my dad. What are we going to do? My dad was not the kind of guy that ran from a problem. He uh, called in the excavators and cleaned off the ashes and the slab was there. The house that we had was a number of years old. It was that, that varnished, knotted, tongue-and-groove pine. Anybody know what that is? Knotted, tongue-and-groove pine, the whole house. Wow. He pushed all that over. It burnt beautifully and rebuilt on the same spot that the house burned down. As a testimony, the house that we thought would be there a lifetime is no longer there. He said, I'm going to build in the same place, and he did. And that's where I was raised all my life, and that's where my mother still lives today. Back against the wall, 
as bad as that was. And if you think of some of your own situations, I've never had to offer a child as a sacrifice to God. I've never been faced with that. I've never had to cross a body of water challenged by Jesus on my feet and try to walk to where he's at. I've never been challenged for that. I've never lived in the wilderness for 40 years over and over again with the same promises supposed to be any day we could be there. I've never eaten the same manna on a daily basis. I've never had to do that. I've never faced a lion's den. I've faced what I thought were a few lions, but nothing compared to the biblical story. I've never been thrown into a hot furnace. Never known that. I've, uh, I've never... I've never called fire down from heaven and knowing that if fire didn't come down, uh, I was, I'd be toast. I've never been prisoned because I stood up for Jesus. Never accused falsely over and over again. I've never been beaten with a whip and stripped naked and paraded through the streets. I've never watched my kids as some do today in some countries around the world. I've never watched my kids or my grandkids be murdered because I've declared the gospel of Jesus Christ as it does take place today in parts of our world. You look at those circumstances and you say, boy, the back was against the wall next time you get a migraine. You put it in perspective. I know that sometimes the migraine is so great, you'd say, I'd just as soon be dead. Don't try it. There's help. Back against the wall to the degree that we're in those cases, every one of those cases, every one of those cases, coming through that trauma brought those people to experience an awesomeness of God that they would have never enjoyed. An awesomeness of says, we sing, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. We've sang that song, but the awesomeness of what it means when God delivers. Now, some of you, many of you, have been in circumstances where you said, I'm not going to make it. You're going to hear a testimony Sunday morning of a precious family whose baby girl, just a young girl, said she got cancer. She just turned four. You'll see a picture of her and you'll see how God intervened for that family and that child for her to be cancer-free by the grace of God. You'll hear that Sunday morning. You talk about holding your baby knowing that a deadly disease has dared to attack her health system. But God. How many know he's alive? But God. Well, Job was one of those individuals. He'd been pretty faithful, wouldn't you say? Job? Job been pretty faithful, but you know, he got a little wiry. He got a little wobbly. He got to the place that, you know, his wife came by, he trusted her and she said, Hey, Joby, give it up. You know, it looks like Jehovah, he's not doing much for you. 
you know, the pain you're in, you just as well be dead. Now I'm paraphrasing what she said. You know that. But the reality is when Job began to get to the place and he thought, hey, God, I'm getting a little weak here. I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I've been hanging on. I, I was faithful as long as I was having kids and my cattle were growing and my crops were coming in and, and there was money in the bank and I was faithful to you, buddy. We had prayer meeting every day. Faithful. What about Job? The enemy said, you know, well, all the reason he serves you is because you've been so good to him. No, you watch him. And so when Job got wobbly and the circumstance began to weight him down, how much can you take before you begin to bow? How much just does your system and your faith system get to the place you just say, I don't think I can take another step. And yet when those times come, Job or God thought, I want to straighten Job up a little bit. And here's what he said in the message version. I have a question for you. And I want some straight answers. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was its foundation poured? And who set the cornerstone? While the morning stars sang in chorus and all the angels shouted praise. And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? That was me. I wrapped it in soft clouds and tucked it in safely at night. Then I made a playpen for it, a strong playpen, so it couldn't run loose and said, Stay here. This is your place. You're wild tantrums are confined to this place tell me job tell me about that god was sharing that in job's vast ability that god was able to care for him god cares for me say that with me god cares for me so you think with me for a moment on this wonderful wednesday night that you took the time to come god what is it that you want to say to me you are not here by accident. You're here by the purpose of God. God, what are you going to say to me? What is it you're going to say to me? Those of you watching online, think with me. God, what are you going to say to me? And here's the news. The greater the challenge, the greater the potential. The greater the challenge, the greater the potential. Here's the scripture, 1 Kings 18, verse 43. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there. Say that with me. There's nothing there. That's when your back is there. There is no hope. You're getting no answers. Prayers seem like they're bouncing off the ceiling. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. Go back. You see, it hadn't rained for years. You know that. Seven not only that, the earth was dry and barren. Nothing could be planted and expect to grow. The drought was the headline news and all the news stations. And every ounce of energy was exhausted from trying to produce rain. They danced, they shouted, some of them probably cursed. Nothing. For when God says, I'm going to shut 
the heavens up, you can count on there's no drip. Amen? Nothing. Miracles don't happen, nor are they necessary. If we can produce the solution to the challenge. So when you're up against it and when we don't have the answers, may I suggest to you, this is how I feel. I hate COVID. I've said that. I feel so much better. I hate COVID. I do. I hate. I hate that. Sharon said, you get your mask. I don't know where it's at. She goes in her purse and says. So here's what we understand. When that challenge is there, God is saying, listen, I'm going to do something that you cannot do. That's why you have the challenge or the problem. Elijah made the commitment to Ahab by saying this. He stepped way out there. Some would say on the proverbial limb in 1 Kings 18, he said, there is the sound of heavy rain. What? The servant said, you lied. I've been back five times. There's there's nothing. Son, get over there and be quiet. Go back again. You see, out in faith, there are times in our lives that we reach places that we have to take steps of faith when there is nothing on the drawing board to give us relief. Somebody say, amen. That need was critical and it was great. And the evil influence, and if you don't think through COVID that the devil is having a heyday in the lives of a lot of people adversely affecting their spirit person. I mean a heyday with that, telling them, hey, evil influence of Satan, toying with their thinking, this thing will be forever. I'm going to die toying with, the, with emotions and toying with their faith. And so we freeze up. God did not expect us in the middle of COVID to freeze up. He said, understand, trust me, honor me, and watch what I will do. He will cause us to focus, the enemy will, upon the height and breadth of that challenge. Will we ever get beyond it? Yes, sir, we will. Well, I just heard there's a fourth wave. So what? Wave back. I'm serious. You wave, say, God, here's what I know. You know what you bought me through the first three waves? Why in the world wouldn't you take me through the fourth wave? Somebody say, amen. That's who we are as the church, friend. If you're living in a pacifier in your mouth under, under covering of saying nothing, it will happen. Trust God. Step out there and say, I hear the abundance of rain that is coming. Easter Sunday, God, you're going to do great things by the grace of God. God wants us to see the potential of our victory. And we know that Caleb said, everybody else is off course. Caleb said, hey, God's going to help us to to conquer out there. And Elijah said, I I feel the drought. I feel the humidity. I I feel the heat. But he said, I I smell the rain. Amen. I smell the rain. Number two, the size of the challenge means nothing to God. 
I saw an email, or not an email, but a Facebook post today. If I remember right, it had the picture of a big, big old alligator with his mouth wide over it saying what it says, things to fear. Things to fear. Had a big old picture of an alligator in one frame. Picture of a python in another frame. Picture of something else in another frame. I don't remember what it was. And then a picture of Grady Judd. Somebody poking fun. We don't have to fear anything. Amen. Sickness comes and it tries to reoccur. Don't fear. Dig in. Trust God. The size of the challenge means nothing to God. The seventh time, which is the perfect number, the servant reported a cloud as small of a man's hand is rising from the sea. Oh, and I've been to that sea, as a matter of fact. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot. See, this is lawn talk or yard talk. Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So the magnitude, whatever it is that you have faced or have faced. When our Sydney was born, after Lori had the problems with Annalise and almost died, and Sydney comes along. She's in NICU, and the doctor said, she's not reacting right, something unusual. She may have some problem, some tumor in her head. Some challenge, just a wee little thing. We went in and there she is hooked up to everything that you can hook up to. And we laid hands on her. And we prayed. And the doctors gave her a clean report for what they expected or suspected was no longer there. It's by the grace of God. And now she's 13. And all the sins of her mama is coming back through her. And I sing, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Now here's what he said. Job 38.8. Who shut up the sea behind the doors? When it bursts forth from the womb, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. And God, the creator of the universe, is not intimidated by the difficult straits that you and I face. For example, you know, the drought that Elijah and Ahab faced was seven massive, severe years that was there. And the servant saw a cloud the size of a man's hand on the seventh time. Six times he saw nothing. So we know that, hey, it's a God. But he says, you have to mix faith. So Matthew 17, we hear the teaching, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith 
as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. We want to be a nothing will be impossible to you. That's who we are. Because no matter how large God is saying to us, hang in there, hang on. Notice what Jesus is saying. The mustard seed, the least of all seeds, if I had one in my hand, you could not see it. It is so small. It is insignificant, extremely small. But when it's planted, when it's planted, it becomes gigantic tree of shade and great opportunity. How wonderful is that? Mark 4, verse 30. Again, he said, what should we say? The kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like that mustard seed. He said, which is the smallest of seeds, and you plant it grows and becomes the largest garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in the shade. Meaning, what is the point? God said, I can take nothing and make it something. I can take the least and make it great. He delights in beating the odds he can build out of the ashes. Look around you and think as you take an inventory of your own life. And ask yourself, what am I afraid of? What am I worried about? What's got most of my attention today? And then answer it with this. What is it, God, that I'm really trusting you in faith? What is it that I have posted a no trespass sign? What is it that I've said to my heart and my faith? You will overcome. What is it that I'm, whose, whose helm of the garment am I hanging on to? Whose hand has anointed me and whose hand am I holding? It was the example of David and Goliath. You know the story. It was the example of Gideon 300 versing thousands. Somebody there had to have faith and they hung on to it. Isaiah 45 2, I will go before you and will level the mountains and I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. Who's he talking to? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. In other words, take the capture of faith and watch what God will do in your behalf if you, in fact, trust him. Number three, the challenge is met by obedience and faith. Obedience and faith. You know, part of that is humility. When you get blessed, don't become too big for your britches. Don't become too big for your britches. Stay humble. Don't make so many demands. Just trust God. And God will bring you through the challenges met by obedience. It is 1 Kings 18, 41, 43, and 44. There's the sound. There it is. That is the sound of rain. It's a strange sound. We haven't heard it in a while. Seven times Elijah said, go back. And then on faith, hitch up. Tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stop you. Elijah outran the chariot. 
You see, in all three of those scriptures, obedience and faith were exercised. And at first, there was not a visible cloud in the sky at all. And all Elijah had was the word of God in his heart. And we see three truths here. Had the word in his heart. Truth number one, first, God's word is your foundation. If you're up against it and you're fighting a battle and you've got a physical problem and you've got a difficult, let me tell you, first stop every day, this book. This book. That had to mean you do this and say, okay, well, here's one. You can do that. But in addition to that, rightly divide the word of God. Get the scripture, read it, hear it, see what it says. Number two, obedient always perseveres in faith. I'm going to stay obedient to you, God. I have a lot I could complain about, but I'm not. I'm not saying, why me? Oh, me. I'm saying, God, why not me? I'm trusting you. I'm on your word. You tell me what to do. And I'll say it out of, out of obedience to you. You say blind obedience. You better believe it. There are times when you're being obedient and you don't have any idea in the supernatural. You just know you need to be obedient. Amen? You need to be obedient. We understand that. And we understand, thirdly, that obedience and faith will be visible. When you are obedient, you'll do like Peter. You'll get over the side of the boat and get out there and walk on the water. When you're obedient, you keep telling the servant, you keep going back. You are going to see it. When you're obedient, of course, in faith, the visible action, Elijah said go, or, or yes, Elijah said go and tell Ahab to get his chariot hooked up because I smell rain coming. We act and that's obedience. Actions take place. I often tell people in financial challenge, give your way out of your financial challenge. Do something spectacularly and supernaturally. Show the devil, hey, I'm not dependent on that. God always, always. I had a couple of pastors that came to see me yesterday. He and his spouse have been at their church for a number of years. And he wept as he said, COVID has killed us. The majority of my congregation is old. Now, I don't know how old old is. He said, they're on Social Security. He said, Pastor, I miss paychecks. I'm disabled. My wife is disabled. We're doing the best we can. And she said, Pastor, we're running on fumes. We don't know what to do. If you tell us what to do, we'll do it. We thought we were at the end before. We thought it was in and we got a breath of fresh air. But this time we breathed all the air there is left. He said, Pastor, to renew your credentials, 
for the assemblies of God, there's a one-time fee at the end of every year. He said, you know what it is for ordained ministers? $300. He said, I didn't have it. And I've had my credentials for years, but I didn't have the money. I didn't tell him because he didn't tell me that there are hardship cases that he could have written a letter. And under those circumstances, got that waived. He said, when it came time for the deadline, I had one Sunday left. And I just thought, these are the people, 30 or 40 of them. And I told him my story. Tears welled up in his eyes. He said, my little old church gave their best offering. And then someone that God has blessed worked hard all of his life in a major company. Said, and pastor, if enough doesn't come in, I'll take care of the balance. He said, Pastor Blackburn, you can't imagine. You cannot imagine what that meant to me. It's like God saying, I know where you're at. He said, the roof is leaking. He said, the steeple is about to fall off our old church. We have some termites. He said, the air conditioners in the fellowship halls don't work. It's hot. We keep meeting, though. I said, you giving it everything you got? Yes, sir. I said, how long you preach on Sunday? His wife spoke up and said, about 45 minutes. He's exhausted at the end of 45 minutes. She said, but pastor, how about worship? How about worship? She said, I led worship all these years. I'm not physically able to do that anymore. So we play worship tapes and we sing along. Across the table from me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, they're not here by accident. I said, we will do something. I will get some churches together. I will get some pastors together. And we'll come and see what we can do in your building. I got up and left and went to bookkeeping. And I came back with a check. I said, in the meantime, God has blessed victory. Here's a check for $5,000. Unbelievable weeping that God answered through you their need. I'm here to tell you, we not only have our own needs, but God has called all of us to be the answer for somebody else's need. Can you say amen? You ought to put your hands together. That's great stuff. Acts of obedience. 
trusting God. So here it is. You can't overcome while at the same time pilfering through the ashes of what used to be or your past mistakes or, or the condemnation and the pity. You got to get up and you got to prepare the chariot. You got to know that, hey, there's great potential in your future. It's there. The magnitude of, of the challenge is irrelevant to God. I heard the news of a pastor today that's pastoring in the Denver, Colorado area. It's one of the extensions of a, a large church up there. But the guy who's pastoring, he's covered with tattoos, had, had a considerable amount of arrest records and one thing and another. And so he really uh, gave his heart to Christ, went, of course, got got credentials and Bible study, and now they're opening a satellite church that is totally different, reaching unchurched people that, hey, half of them might have robbed a store the night before. And he went in there and said, hey, I am the new pastor. There were several friends that knew him from high school, and they about fell out of their chair. They said, we thought you were in jail. He said, I was. But God, hallelujah, redeemed me, saved me, and now I'm here to tell you about what he's done for me. Can you say amen? That's the God we serve. Let's stand one more time, put our hands together. Amen. Let's make it real. Let's make it real. Those of you online, we pray that God will touch you. Those of you online, we ask you to pray for us. Pray for our services on Easter. And then those of you that are online and those of you here, if this message serves as a moment of encouragement to you, be obedient to God. You know, the amazing thing about old Peter, he didn't turn and say, I'll go if you go with me. I'll go if you go with me. No. He put his leg over the boat. And he took off. Elijah didn't say, if I don't see it five times, I'm done. You know what was in his heart? I'm going to keep telling him to go back until the manifestation is there. That's what we have to do. Is that, who, is that the God that you serve? It is. And in this room right now and at home, is the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the divine unction of the Holy Ghost, the supernatural miracle worker. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Would you do it right now? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, Jesus, Lord Jesus, I have sinned, and I confess, I confess right, now, right now, take my heart and life. Take and use it for your honor. And use it for your honor. I present myself, I present myself to, you for your honor. to you for your honor. Now, Heavenly Father, now, Heavenly Father I, believe by faith I believe by faith you are doing supernatural, doing things, supernatural things in my life. In my life. So, use so use me as you choose. In your name, in your name. Amen. amen. If you need prayer, we're going to worship. That's the name of the game. We're going to worship a few minutes. I pray and say, okay, maybe you just want to be seated and just continue in the worship for a few more minutes, or maybe you need to slip out. But here's what I know. Some of you, some of you, and you know who you are, need to just slip down where two or three agree together in one thing. You got to give God a chance out of acts of obedience. So God bless you.
Do not take away that which your heavenly Father desires to bring blessing. Do not shun that which seems difficult. Stand up and declare the power of the God that you serve. Say to the power of darkness that that darkness is a lie. Say to the honor of the God who is with you, who will deliver you, say to him, yes, Lord. Honor him, give him praise, and do not stand back when he touches you and ministers in and through you. And again, remember, nothing that he does is an accident. It's a result of his faithfulness to you. Father, we give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory. We receive that simply as a word from the Lord. And we're going to praise him for a few moments. So as God directs you, I'm going to let you do that right now. I love you, everybody. God bless you as we continue.
Savior, our wonderful Christ. His name is Jesus. Not only was he buried in a tomb for three days, but he got up with all power that we have the right to eternal life and healing in Jesus' name. Last time, sing, oh, what a Savior. Sunday.